Welcome to this worship service at the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. We hope you will join us some Sunday morning here in Old Town, Alexandria. Again, welcome. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And our second lesson for this Lord's Day comes to us from the Gospel of John. It's the familiar story of Nicodemus. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a leader of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said, well, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. For what is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. 
The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we've seen, and yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they've not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may clearly be seen that their deeds have been done in God. May God bless these readings to our hearing and understanding. Two stories, two very different men. One man, Abram, hears the voice of God, puts his house on the market, holds a garage sale, and immediately sets off to places unknown. If there are questions about where he is to go and what he is to do, well, we're not told about them. If there are objections from his wife, his children, or his colleagues, we're not told about them. His story so far is cut and dried. God says, go, and Abram goes. The other story is not so cut and dried. The other man, Nicodemus, has a few questions. From what John tells us, he finds Jesus' teachings too new, too different, too illogical to understand. How, he wonders, can anyone be born after having grown old? Nicodemus is in a tough spot. As a Pharisee, he's supposed to be in the know about matters of faith. But Jesus causes him to question what he knows. And the answers he gets don't seem to help him. As John tells it, we don't really know how his story ends. John gives us only a few hints. Nicodemus is there when Jesus is taken down from the cross, and Nicodemus is the one who provides the required spices for Jesus' burial. But at this point, all we know is that he's fixated on the question. How can these things be? Two stories, two very different men. 
One man, Abram, obeys God unconditionally and without any hesitation whatsoever. The other, Nicodemus, hesitates and holds back. So what are we to make of their stories? And what, if anything, might their stories have to do with our stories? Well, we should note that both men are called to do something new and different. To borrow from the Old Testament professor Cameron B.R. Howard, Abram is called to leave familiar familial territory and go to unfamiliar, unspecified territory based solely on a promise that God will not only bless him and his family, but that through him all the families of the earth will be blessed. As Howard notes, God's call turns Abraham's focus away from his past concerns and toward God's agency in his life. To answer a call from God is to be willing to submit to God's agency, to be reoriented from subject to object or from the familiar to the unknown. Both Abraham and Nicodemus are called to put their trust in God, to leave the familiar for the unfamiliar, to be open to new ways of thinking and living. Abraham got it. Nicodemus, not so much. The question is, do we? Two weeks ago, I suggested that we consider worship as a time and a place for being changed and transfigured. It's here in worship where we come to understand that we are also called to new acts of faith. Acts that will undoubtedly lead us from the familiar to the unknown. As I put it then, once we've been to the mountain and once we've heard a word from the Lord, we cannot go back to the way things were. Once we've been to the mountain and once we've heard a word from the Lord, we must trust that God will lead us where we need to go and to do what we need to do. But like most matters of faith, that's easier said than done, is it not? Most of you know that there's more to the story of Abram than what we've read and heard today. Much more, in fact. But even these few verses point to the underlying theme of what follows. For no sooner than Abram gets to where he thinks God wants him to be, than he's told to pack up his belongings and move again. Suggesting that life with God is nothing if not a journey to the unknown. I think it's safe to say that most of us have more in common with Nicodemus than Abram. Like Nicodemus, we're not always sure what to make of Jesus and the strange things he says. Like him, we find ourselves flooded with questions that cause us to hesitate and hold back instead of stepping out in faith. But friends, if we've learned anything from Sunday school lessons and from church sermons, then we surely know that to be with God is to be on the move. I wish I could tell you this morning that life with God is designed to be comfortable and secure, but it's not. I wish I could tell you that life with God is about calming down and settling down, but it's not. Life with God is often uncomfortable and anything but secure. 
Life with God is about picking up and moving on. It's about being reoriented from the old and familiar to the new and the unknown. It's about a journey that never ends. Life with God is a risky proposition. It tests our faith at every turn. It leads us to new people, new places, and new ideas that challenge our core convictions. It causes us to question God and to question even ourselves. But if we want to grow in faith, then sooner or later, we must go where God tells us to go and we must do what God tells us to do. Now, some of you know I'm somewhat of a golf fanatic. <clears throat> like others, I am constantly looking for ways to improve my game. And so I read books, I watch videos, I watch television, I take lessons, and I practice as much as I can in order to do so. Martin Hull, a popular instructor on the Golf Channel, has a saying that he repeats at the close of almost every one of his shows. And I think it speaks to today's lessons as much as it does to the game of golf. He says, if you want to keep on playing like you've been playing, then keep on doing what you've been doing. His point, of course, is that to improve your game, you've got to do something new. Abraham got it. Nicodemus, not so much. What about you? As these and other stories in scripture make clear, life with God is a journey, a journey that involves learning and doing new things. And this is especially true for followers of Jesus Christ. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he's already signaling to us that he is on the move. And this means that as his followers, we can never settle down. We can never grow content doing the same old things. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be on the move with him. It bears noting at this point that in John's gospel, faith is always a verb. It is never a noun. As one scholar puts it, this means faith is not a possession. Faith is not something that one gets. Faith is not something that one has. It is something that one does. In John's gospel, believing is a verb. And as a verb, believing is subject to all of the ambiguity, the uncertainty, and the indecisiveness of being a human. We need to take seriously what faith looks like when it's active, living, permeable, and dynamic. And we need to consider earnestly that having an incarnated God may require an incarnational faith, that believing it's just as complicated as it is to be human. Like I said, life with God is a risky proposition. It takes us out of our comfort zones and it leads us to unknown places. It introduces us to new people and new kingdom-like ways of living and working in the world. And needless to say, it can and often does 
put us in conflict with friends and family members and the powers that be who insist on clinging to old, more familiar ways of the world. But friends, here's the thing. Staying put literally gets us nowhere. Certainly not to the kingdom espoused by and embodied in Jesus Christ. To be a follower of Jesus is to be constantly on the move, sometimes physically, but always mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Will Willimon, a retired Methodist bishop and former dean of the chapel at Duke Divinity School, has this to say about today's lesson. <clears throat> Some people think that Christians are those who have figured it all out, has satisfactorily defined Jesus for themselves, who believe it all with no further questions. But this is not true. Jesus is that elusive, free, sovereign, and living God who makes sense out of us rather than us trying to make sense out of him. We've got to risk listening to him even if we don't always grasp what he's talking about. We don't define Jesus. Jesus defines us. He meets us, finds us, and invites us to follow him even if we don't always understand him. Faith is not in the understanding, but in the following. Now I know that's a challenging idea, especially for Presbyterians who have this inherent need to parse everything and everything before we act. But Willimon is right. Faith is in the following. Two stories, two very different men. Both stories are about relinquishing what has been for what can be. And seen in this light, to be born from above is to take leave of our self-directed course and to embrace God's will. Or to put it another way, to leave the comfort of the known for the promise of the unknown is in fact a form of rebirth. Again, Abraham got it. Nicodemus, not so much. The question remains, do we? As you ponder that question, allow me to make two quick additional points. The first is this. When God calls us to follow, we can be sure that God will equip us with everything we need for the journey. I want you to remember that the next time you're called to help with an outreach project, teach a Sunday school class, serve as an officer of the church, or even to speak up and speak out on some moral or ethical issue. And the second is this, when God calls us to follow, we can be sure that it involves a mission that is larger than our own self-preservation. Because God is determined to bless all the families of the earth, and God intends to use people like you and like me to help do it. Remember that the next time you're asked to give a portion of your time 
talent, and treasure to the work of God's church. Two stories, two very different men. One man, Abram, followed God's lead and became a source of blessing to the world. The other man, Nicodemus, well, we really don't know if he followed God's lead or not. All that remains are your stories and mine. Will we cling to the old or will we embrace the new? Amen.